Now, I don't want you to think that I'm complaining about this. I just think it's interesting. Uh, you know, th- this past week, uh, several of us have, you know, kind of observed the new year, you know, recognize it coming in. And, and you know, I, I, I guess this year it sort of hit me and I started thinking about it. Isn't it a little odd that we kind of celebrate the new year? I mean, it's, it's been done in all different types of cultures, though, for a really long time. I mean, for years and years and years. But I mean, you know, what, what's really the difference between December 31st and then January 1st, you know? And, and we also have different types of ways that we, we think about the new year being brought in. Um, but, you know, like the new year even being considered a holiday, that's just kind of interesting. Like I said, I'm not, not complaining about that. It's just kind of interesting that that is one of the things that, that our, our society has set aside and said, okay, well, we're going to celebrate this. Sometimes it's kind of interesting the things that we don't really set aside and don't really have as a, as a holiday, but New Year's is one of those things. And, you know, you, you probably uh, have realized that already, maybe you've even had to write down the year 2020. It still is not going to feel quite right for a little while. It takes a while to get used to writing that, uh, writing that date down. But, you know, as you think about that, that it's the year 2020 or 2020, from what? You know, when you look at it, different cultures throughout time, they have counted time in different ways. That's kind of a little bit of a, of a way that's not been around for, for too, too long, at least not in the grand uh, picture of, of human history. But what event was big enough to change dates, to get us to start writing that date down and, and to count time as that? Well, I, I think that you all know that, and that is, that's Jesus. Whenever he was born, or at least whenever he, he lived and all, that changed the way that we count time. That's why we write down 2020. You know, you got some people who they try to say the, the whole, the BCE and the CE thing, you know, before the common era and then the common era. But, you know, when it still comes down to it, it's the same as, as saying BC and then AD, uh, before Christ and then in the year of our Lord. When you look at that, it comes down to Jesus and how he changed so much about what we do. When you think about beginnings, and uh, if I were to say this, if I were to say, in the beginning, you probably already started thinking that I was going to say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I guess technically I did just say that, but you know, I could also say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's not Genesis 1-1, that's John 1-1. Because what we see in John 1 is a new beginning. And in fact, we kind of see the beginning of all things being made new in the New Testament, in John's gospel right there. And as you compare those beginnings, both of those beginnings are pretty important. And both of those beginnings have a lot to do, and especially John, you see that he emphasizes uh, two, two words. One of them is life, and another one is light. We're going to see those show up quite a few times this morning. But as you think about the beginnings that we have, these are the only two books in the Bible that really start off with in the beginning. We got one in the Old Testament, one in the New. I don't think that's by chance. I think we are supposed to put those things together and realize the New Testament is a new beginning of sorts. And that's to get our attention and to get to realize something about the New Testament is different. It is new and it's important. So let's compare these beginnings. First, let's start off with Genesis uh, chapter 1. Let's look at the first Five verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So this is kind of the, the first beginning that we get. The, you know, the, the beginning beginning if you will, in Genesis 1. And I want you to think about those two words, life and light. Without God, right here in the beginning, God, without God, what would life look like? Well, we didn't continue on and keep reading, but in verse 6 and following, you see that God continues to create all these other things, and part of what he creates is life. He creates the, the life of you know, what we would uh, call plant life today. He creates the life that, uh, that swims in the oceans, that flies in the air, and that walks on the land. And whatever else form or in-between forms or whatever, there might have been as well, like those amphibians that kind of do a little bit of two different things. Not sure what day that they were created on, but I know God created them. And as you look at all that, you see God made life. So without God, you wouldn't have life. I mean, there's, there's no discussion anymore about that. There wouldn't be any life without God. What about light? Well, even on the first day, you find out that it was just darkness. So without God, it's just darkness. You can't see very well in the dark. You can't do a lot of things very well in the dark. Well, let's compare this other beginning. John 1, beginning in verse 1 through verse 5. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And by the way, if you want to just get completely clear about what this word is and and what this means, if you look on down in verse 14, I don't have it up on the screen, but in verse 14, we find out that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's no doubt about it. The word is Jesus Christ. The word is God in the flesh who's come among us. So in the beginning was the word. So comparing similar how we did with with Genesis, what about life and life? What do those things look like without Jesus Christ? Well, without Jesus, how would life look? Verse 3 of this, it tells us that through Jesus, through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. So what would life look like without Jesus Christ? pretty much the exact same as back in Genesis. There would be no life. That's the end of the discussion. Without Jesus Christ, we have no life. What about light? Well, verse 4 kind of says something very interesting. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. See, Genesis mainly is important to those people who are of the Jewish faith, who followed Abraham and, and Moses and followed the law. That's, that's mainly through uh, what, what Genesis was about and who that was really you know, for and, and who it came from. But right here in this new beginning, we see John makes it very clear. It's not just about the Jews. It's all mankind. This life was the light of all mankind. So what does light look like without Jesus? Well, the life that he gives and the life that he is, it's a light of all mankind. Without Jesus, you don't have that light. It's still the same type of thing like what we saw in the first creation story. Both of them show us a world that is not very good, not very good at all. And that's the world without God. Thankfully, that's not the world we live in. 
We live in a world that has both of those beginnings, both of which are very important for us to take a look at and to notice, especially this new beginning. And I I want us to to be focused on this. Um, In fact, this year, what I would like for us to, to do is is sort of, especially since it's 2020, it works out pretty well. You know, if you've ever gone to the eye doctor and, and been told your vision's not perfect, you know, you realize that you don't have 2020 vision. Without my glasses, I think I've done this before. I'm amazed sometimes at what all I can't see. I can't see hardly anybody's face whenever I take off my glasses. I can see kind of blobs and different colors, but that's about it. I don't have 2020 vision without my glasses. So this year, what I want us to do is similarly to how my vision changes, depending on if I have my glasses on or off. I want us to have better vision in 2020. What I want us to do is I want us to be able to see Jesus more clearly than what we have in times past. And that might take on different forms throughout the year. Um, But I I hope that you can join me in being able to see Jesus more clearly. That will mean there's a little, perhaps a little bit more emphasis on Jesus this year than than maybe some other years. Although, let's face it, Jesus is kind of pretty important to everything that we do. So he's he's always there. But he's going to be very important this year for us to take a look at him. And I think one way that we can see Jesus better, more clearly, is by looking at John's gospel. It is kind of my favorite of the gospels. And if you like another one of the gospels, that's fine too. You can, you can read that one. But I would encourage you all to read John's gospel at some point in this year. In fact, I, I would recommend reading it more than once because it'll be even more helpful that way. But at least read it once at some point this year. And I want to tell you a few things about that. I put some of these things in the bulletin so you, know, you can kind of maybe keep up with this and, and think about this a little bit. But if you read one chapter every week, which, I mean, that's very doable, okay? Even the long chapters aren't really that long And whenever you are reading in one week. If you were to read one chapter every single week, you'd be done by the summertime. That doesn't take too long, does it? If you were to read one chapter a day, a little harder, I understand, but really one chapter a day, it's doable. That means you'd finish the Gospel of John in three weeks. If you were to read three chapters a day, you would finish it by next Sunday. You can read it in a week. Three chapters a day? That's doable. It really is. And even if you, even if you miss a day, guess what? You know, then it'll just take you a week and one day. Okay, So it's, it's not really the end of the world if you just miss a little bit of that reading. And this is what I would encourage you to do, although I know this is harder for some people than than for others. It takes about two or three hours, depending on how fast you read, to read the entire book in in one setting. Okay. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, I couldn't possibly read for that long. Well, maybe that might be a little difficult for you. But, you know, you can also, we live in a wonderful age uh, of technology and everything, too. Okay. I, I hope that you've realized that by now. There's a lot of good that can come from it, too. You know, people have recorded the Bible, them reading the Bible, so you could listen to it, okay? And it's still going to take you about two or three hours, depending on, you know, the rate at which they they read it. And also, we we live in a time whenever, you know, there's even been some movies that go word for word about John's gospel. Um, in, In the church library back there, we have one that's simply, it's a movie that's called The Gospel of John, and it literally goes word for word, from the Bible, that's, that's their script. That's the movie script. It's like a movie, okay? So you get kind of all the theatrical stuff too, but it's like a movie. That one will take you three hours because, you know, it's the theatrical thing, so sometimes they're not always talking. But three hours, you can do that, right? If you are a movie watcher, 
you are kind of used to carving out somewhere between an hour and a half or sometimes three hours. I don't like movies that are that long, but let's face it, some of them are. You kind of carve out that much time anyways to watch a movie. What about carving out that much time to read God's word? And by the way, John is a pretty, it is a pretty long book, I will give you that. And it might be difficult to do that in one setting, but I would encourage you, if you are going to really try to, to read it a lot, uh, like in, in one setting, then, then kind of read as much as you can, as long as you're still soaking it up. Let's face it, we've been there before, you're reading it, if you're, if you're not really soaking it up, maybe it's a, okay, time to take a little bit of a break and come back to it. But two to three hours is not too much time, not for what you get, not for the benefit of it. It's very, very beneficial. So there's all types of, of different ways of being able to, uh, to, to watch that or listen to it or even read it. And if you need some help with some of those things, I'm, I'm more than welcome uh, to, you're more than welcome to ask me and I'll, I'll help you find something that works for you because I, I would love for you to be able to do that if you're interested. Um, there's also um, websites that you can get some of these things online. I can tell you about those things and if you don't even know what a website is, I can still help you, okay? So just, just let me know and I can help you in that. But I would definitely encourage you to read John's Gospel at some point this year. I think that will help you to be able to see Jesus more clearly. One of the reasons why I think that John's Gospel is such a great Gospel to help us see Jesus better, it comes down to the purpose of John. Why did he write? You know, he had a very specific reason as to why he did what he did. At the end of his book, he tells us in John 21, 25, we read this. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And you look at that and you might be thinking, that's a lot. Well, okay, that's not John's gospel, okay? John's gospel did not write, uh, he didn't write down that much stuff. He's just saying, look, Jesus did a whole lot. But John just gives us kind of a summary of it. And he tells us why he gave us the summary. In John 20, backing up a chapter uh, to verse 30 and 31, we read this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. So the whole purpose of why John wrote his gospel is, I mean, he, he clearly tells you in verse 30 that, uh, you know, look, there's a whole lot of other stuff that Jesus did. But these things that are recorded in John's gospel, these things are written down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And you know, if you're, if you're here this morning and if, you're, if you can't confidently say that Jesus is the Messiah, then I would encourage you, read John's gospel. Perhaps it will, it will share with you the insight to be able to, to believe that. That's why it was written. Also, it was written that by believing, you may have life in his name. I, I think we do want life. I think that that's a very important thing. I think we can understand the importance of having life. And we can have life in His name whenever we, uh, whenever we follow Him. So if you want that to be a description of your life, I would suggest reading John's Gospel. That's what it was written for. And I know that started to sound like the end of my sermon. I'm not quite done just yet, okay? But uh, there, there's a little bit more. I want us to look at this life that He talks about. What does it mean to have life in His name? What does that look, life look like? Well, John gives us more descriptions about that life, too, throughout his gospel. In John 10, 10, the, uh, the second part of it, he actually says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
You ever realize there's a difference in having life and then having life? You know what I mean? I mean, it's the same word that you use, but there's a huge difference. Uh, you know, if somebody asks you how you're doing that day, you know, sometimes you might say, oh, I'm fine. And then sometimes you really are doing fine. Sometimes, eh, you know, fine is a little bit of a loose term. Life, it's kind of like one of those things, too. Sometimes, yeah, okay, we have life. Of course, we're alive, yeah. But having life, having full life, that's something different, isn't it? It's something deeper. That's the type of life that we can have in Jesus Christ. That's the reason John wrote his gospel is so that we can have that type of full life in his name. John also records in John 11, he says this about life. And this is after somebody's died, a close friend of his, Lazarus, he died. You probably kind of know that, that story a bit. But this is one of the things he says whenever his close friend has died and he's coming and he's, he's comforting those people who are mourning. And he also mourns as well with them. But in verses 25 and 26, John 11, we read this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I think that's a great question for us to ask ourselves several times. You know, you've probably heard me read this before, uh, you know, from the pulpit here. And you probably will continue to hear me because I think that's a very good question for us. Do you believe these things that Jesus said? And it's not something we can just ask once. You know, we need to constantly be reminded of this. And you look at what he says. He says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And you might be thinking, how in the world is that possible? I mean, if you're dead, you're dead. How do you live at that point? I mean, how, how is that possible? And then he even says something that I think is, is, sounds a little more impossible in verse 26. That whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Well, that's kind of interesting that Jesus would say those things. This is the type, this goes back to the type of life that John is describing. If you want life, this full life in the name of Jesus, then it means that, well, whenever you believe in him, then you're going to live. Even if you do die, you're still going to live. It's, it's not as big of a deal. Death isn't whenever you have this type of full life. And also, if you can live by just believing in him, then you're, you're not going to die. What does that mean? Well, I think you already know the answer. Because most of you, I, I think just about everybody in this room, has memorized, in some translation or another, John 3.16, right? I mean, it's one of the famous, most famous passages from John's Gospel. And it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That makes sense of that full life. And it also makes sense of why Jesus would say something weird that whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And then if you live by believing in me, you'll never die. How is that possible? It's eternal life. That's the type of life that we're talking about. That's the type of life that Jesus gives us. He gave, literally, he gave up his life so that we can have that type of life, that eternal life. Jesus did not come onto this earth just thinking about, oh, well, you know, well, what am I going to do right here and right now? No, no, he was thinking about all of us. I, I mean, you know, I don't know how he was able to do that. You know, that, that had to be difficult. But he was thinking about all of us. And the task that he was sent here to do was to give us eternal life. That's how much God loves us, that he had a plan for us to have eternal life. This is the life that John wrote so that we can have it. This is the type of life that Jesus came here to give us, is this type of life. So Genesis 1, I love it. By the way, Genesis is kind of one of my favorite books too. John's one of my favorite books as well. I got a few favorite books of the Bible. But, but you look at these and you see Genesis 1 has even more meaning 
whenever you see this life that Jesus lived. And John 1, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. It just lights up with light and life and all these great things that we see. I got one more passage I want to share with you. This is not from John's gospel, okay? So maybe I'm kind of cheating a little bit. So uh, I guess I could just say this. Don't think that every single sermon is going to come from John's gospel this year, okay? There's, I'm going to branch out a little bit too, okay? When you look at the Bible and you go to like the very end of it, kind of it, it's a futuristic setting. What's going to happen in the future? It's things that hasn't happened yet, okay? And that's the book of Revelation. And we see at the very, and I'm talking about the very, very end of this, this book of Revelation. We actually find out that it's a new beginning. I mean, that's so weird that like we kind of get to the end of this book and we realize, oh, it's about a new beginning. But yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. It's this wonderful book that God has given us that tells the story of mankind from the very beginning to the very end of the new beginning. Yeah, it, it's hard to communicate, but I think you get it. The new beginning is what we find at the end. But this new beginning... It even states that all things are going to be made new. But this started way back with Jesus. Okay, Jesus in the Gospels, he was the start of making all things new. In fact, numerous times, I kind of challenge you, I'm not going to share this uh, on the screen this morning or whatever, but I challenge you to just go search up some of these scriptures that talk about you being a Christian and you'll find out you're a new creature. You're part of this new creation. You are already being made new. I know some days it doesn't always feel like that. That's, that's okay. But we see you still are a part of this new creation. You're part of it. These things started with Jesus Christ. And in Revelation chapter 21, what we find out is some beautiful things that light and life are being described here. And let's take a look at where life and light show up in Revelation 21. This is toward the very end of the, the book of Revelation. 21 verses 23 through 27. This is talking about kind of this, this heavenly Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem, part of all things being made new. Yeah, that's, that's the, the backdrop of this. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You look at this passage, and you see these two things are, are talked about here. We see another beginning passage. We see light, and we see life. But we see them in different terms. We see light because we find out, guess what? In the future, you're not going to have any need of the sun. You're going to have the glory of God. The glory of God is the light that you will have. In fact, the glory of God is so bright, it outshines the sun. You won't be able to tell the sun. You know, you ever experienced that before? One of those, maybe like a a little bitty light that seems such a nuisance whenever you're maybe kind of waking up in the morning or something that just is, is just the brightest light in the world to you right then and there. But yet... If you were to shine that same light, maybe it's a flashlight or something like that. If you were to shine that same light whenever the sun is bright outside, you hardly even see that light. Well, comparatively speaking, that's kind of how it's going to be with the sun. The glory of God is so bright that this, even on the brightest day, the sun doesn't even compare. Our sun doesn't compare to the brightness of God. I mean, that, that kind of changes your idea of what it means to, 
have light and, and it to be bright. We find out that God gives it light. And the Lamb, talking about Jesus Christ again, He is that lamp. He's the one that lights up everything. God is going to be our light. We also find out at the very end of this, we, we see that there's a book of life that's mentioned. That book of life shows up a few times in the Old Testament, New Testament. It's kind of interesting. Take a look at those passages. But right here we find out those people who are going to be in this city, those people who are going to experience these great things are those people whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? If you're a Christian, it is. If you're following God, it is. But, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of people who that's not the description of their lives. Their names aren't on the book of life there. But, you know, it's not because of something that, uh, that, that God has failed to do. No, God has done literally everything within his power to make it so. Remember John 3:16, how much he loved the world? Now he gave up his son so you can have eternal life. It's up to you now as to whether or not you have that eternal life, whether or not you take hold of that eternal life. By following Jesus Christ, by submitting to his way, by being baptized, yes, that's part of it. And a lot of times, you know, we, we focus on that. That's a big part. But there's also a whole lot of other big parts too. We've got to be following this way of Jesus Christ. And I also believe that if we can get to a point to where we see Jesus more clearly, then we will also see the rest of the world more clearly as well. Through the eyes of Jesus, we will be able to see people around us differently. We will be able to read the Bible differently. And we will be able to even see ourselves differently. 